Hello and welcome to Toxic Masculinity. We are live. The show begins right now. Um, oh, I should do the intro, right? Right? Remember, guys, this is the least professional show on YouTube. Toxic Masculinity. All right, so um, our, our lovely uh, co-host, Valeria, is once again stuck at work. So she will not be joining us. This evening, which is, I know everybody's just going to drop off suddenly uh, the chat. (laughs) No, Valeria, why even watch the show? Um, Let me see here. Okay. Guys, guys, we actually have some breaking news. This is, um, this was just covered on Tucker Carlson's show, which I actually watch after my show. I record it and I watch it after my show because I have to set up for my show at the very uh, time that Tucker's doing his show, so I usually miss that stuff. But um, a friend of mine on Twitter, Brittany, wrote me uh, about this. Um, I knew I knew about the story that was breaking earlier today, um, but it's about Matt Gates. I don't know if you guys have heard about this. Um, it's really just breaking now, um, but it's pretty cr- a pretty crazy story. It's a really big story. So the New York Times is reporting that. Matt Gates is a child trafficker and a pedophile and all these nasty things, right? Uh, but they're lying. Uh, okay, so this story leaked through the New York Times, and what Matt Gates is saying is that this is actually an attempt to blackmail him. This is an extortion scheme to try to take money from him from a former DOJ official. Um we're going to look at all this because this is a huge story. Um, let's first look at the ir- original New York Times article. Let's see here. Uh, yeah, there we go. All right, Matt Gates is said to face ju- uh, face Justice Department inquiry over sex with an underage girl. An inquiry into the For- Florida congressman was opened in the final months of the Trump administration. People uh, briefed on it said. Now, this is already suspicious from the very beginning. For two reasons, in my opinion. The first reason is because Matt Gates is one of the most effective Republicans uh, fighting against the Democrats today, right? He's one of those people that is really able to um, effectively showcase the hypocrisy of the Democrats, uh, how they break the rules, and he viciously attacks them. He goes after them um, with no fear totally courageous, and he doesn't hesitate, and he goes for the jugular. He just goes for the kill. Uh, Whenever he sees vulnerability, he strikes, and that's what we need in the Republican Party. We don't need hesitation because the Democrats are ruthless, they're criminals, and they'll do whatever they can uh, for power. And Matt Gaetz is like, no, 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 no. You cannot be a criminal and be a politician, we have to go after you. You cannot do, you know, things that are immoral and unjustifiable. Uh, as a politician, I will go after you. And he's been fantastic. I love Matt Gates. Uh, he's one of my favorite people in Washington, D.C. Um, I've never met him personally, but this is just from, obviously, from observation. All right. So let's go ahead and read the story, the salacious story here. Um, that again, Matt Gates is saying, this is extortion. This is an extortion scheme. This is not true. This is, this is what Matt Gates, Gates is saying, and I totally believe him. Oh, I, I almost forgot to mention the second reason why this is already very suspicious. The second reason is because we know 
that Democrats use blackmail tactics, extortion, they take bribes, they commit all these kinds of crimes in office. I, I did a story on this recently about local politicians who do it. Um, I'm researching into how the, the left does this in Washington, D.C. I'll have a story about that eventually, I'm sure. Uh, it's very difficult because um, the D.C. Democrats are very good at keeping their um, their crimes and, and misbehavior a very secret under wraps. So you, you really have to dig to get to this stuff. But we've we've seen it. We've seen that, you know, people be extorted, them try to manipulate people. Um, uh, and, and in this particular case, this fits into a theory that I've had for a very long time. And the theory is that Democrats like to use um, evidence that they have against you or evidence they've manufactured to try to coerce you into doing what they want, right? And so my thought is there's a lot of people in D.C. with a lot of dirt on a lot of other people in D.C. And some of them may have even dirt on each other. You know, I've got incriminating evidence on you. You've got incriminating evidence on me. Uh, it's what I call, um, well, it's what everyone calls mutually assured destruction, right? Mutually assured destruction. Uh, and this is normally used when talking about nuclear weapons, but you can also use it when talking about having incriminating evidence. Um, and so it's my theory that a lot of Democrats have incriminating evidence on other Democrats, and that's kind of how they, they're, they're able to, um, to get people to sort of agree with them, everybody get on the same, uh, you know, Everybody can be on the same page, that, that kind of stuff. Um, you can get people in line by extorting them. And whenever I hear somebody um, compromise their values in D.C. And, and side with Democrats on things who are maybe a Republican or maybe a moderate Democrat that were, you know, who was, who was stepping back and saying, I'm not going to do this. Um, I, I, I'm like, okay, that's the machine. That's the Democrat blackmail machine in action. Uh, that's what I always suspect when I see something like that. Um, when it come, or they might threaten you, right? Um, I believe now I was going to do a story on this, and it because I have so much stuff I'm always trying to research and work out. Uh, which, by the way, not all my stories make it uh, to into videos. But um, I was going to do a story about Ross Perot. I don't know if you remember this, but um, Ross Perot, I believe, was being threatened. I think his daughter was threatened. Uh, and so he had to drop out of the race back, you know, years ago when he was running for president in the 90s. Uh, and then he got his, because he's like a billionaire, right? He was able to get his daughter into hiding. And then he joined back up and he and he, he ran again. He he, uh, he back, joined back up. Uh, and to me, that was a, um, a very illustrative moment in how some of the people in Washington, D.C. work or how they think that they can, they can manipulate things. Um there was something just yesterday. What was the thing yesterday? There was also some kind of manipulate, manipulative thing that happened. I don't, I don't remember. But this one, I think that this one will be, um, will be shown to be uh, false. Uh, and the, the only problem is that I don't think this DOJ guy, um, I mean, he may not be connected to other Democrats, and he also may not, and even if he is, he, he probably won't give that up. Right? So... What's going to happen is, you know, he'll he'll be the one prosecuted. Nobody else will, even if he is connected to other people. But this is, I do think, this is an attempt to take out Matt Gates. I don't think that there's, I don't think there's any validity to this. Um, but let's go ahead and, and have a look at the accusation here from the New York Times. Um, Representative Matt Gates, Republican of uh, Florida and a close ally 
of, president, of, of former President Donald J. Trump is being investigated by the Justice Department over whether he had a sexual relationship with a 17-year-old and paid for her to travel with him, according to three people briefed on the matter. Investigators are examining whether Mr. Gates violated federal uh, sex trafficking laws, the people said. Uh, a variety of federal statutes make it illegal to introduce somebody under 18 to travel over state lines. Sorry, not to introduce, to induce. <laughs> Uh, to induce someone under 18 to travel over state lines to engage in sex in exchange for money or something of value. The Justice Department regularly prosecutes such cases, and offenders often receive severe sentences. It's not clear how Mr. Gates met the girl, believed to be 17 at the time of uh, encounters, uh, about two years ago. At the time of encounters? At the time of the encounter? I don't know. Uh, About two years ago that investigators are scrutinizing. According to according to two of the people. The investigation was opened in the final months of the Trump administration under Attorney General William P. Barr. The two people uh, said, they keep saying the two people. We have two sources, ladies and gentlemen. There's two sources, two separate sources, so this must be true. That, that's, that's what they're trying to suggest there. Uh, given Mr. Gates's national profile, senior Justice Department officials in Washington, including some appointed by Mr. Trump, were notified of the investigation, people said. The three people... The three people. Um, Okay, so now there's three people. The three people said that the examination of Mr. Gates, 38, is part of a broader investigation into a political ally of his, a local uh, official in Florida named Joel Greenberg, who was indicted last year on an array of charges, including sex trafficking uh, of a child and financially supporting people in exchanges for sex, at least one of whom was an underage girl. Mr. Greenberg, who has since resigned uh, his his post as tax collector in uh, Seminole County, north of Orlando, visited the White House with Mr. Gates in 2019, according to a photograph that Mr. Greenberg posted on Twitter. No charges have been brought against Mr. Gates, and the extent of his criminal exposure is unclear. Mr. Gates said that in an interview that his lawyers have been in touch with the Justice Department and that they were told that he was the subject, not the target of an investigation. So now that's a, a very key distinction. That's a very key distinction. They said that he was the subject of the investigation, not the target of an investigation. It's a very different thing than is said to face Justice Department inquiry over sex with an underage girl. This is this is trying to suggest that he's guilty of doing it, and therefore it's being investigated because the suspicion is that 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 he actually did this. You know, the New York Times has become so so devalued, right? It, it's it's lost all integrity. Uh, it's just become a kind of propaganda machine for Democrats. And so obviously people leaked this story specifically to smear Matt Gates. If the investigation isn't about whether or not Matt Gates did this, but rather about somebody trying to extort Matt Gates uh, and you know create some kind of false evidence to suggest that he did this uh, or to target him for an investigation, um, you know, because they want, you know, they want to manipulate him in some way or another. Um, you know, those are two very different things. And it should it should be reported that way. Uh, but it, well, it's not being reported that way. It's, you know, you have to get this far down into the article until, you know, which most people don't. Most people just read like the first couple of paragraphs of every article. Um, there's been a lot of studies on that. So, so people who write these articles, they know it. So they put all the salacious stuff at the top and then they walk it back later in the article. That's how they, they manipulate people. Um, I only know that it has has to do with some uh, 
has to do with women, Mr. Gates said. I have a suspicion that somebody is trying to recategorize my uh, generosity towards ex-girlfriends as something more untoward. Mr. Gates called the investigation part of, uh, of an elaborate scheme involving false sex allegations to extort him and his family for $25 million uh, that began this month. He said he and his father, Don Gates, had been cooperating with the FBI and, we- and wearing a wire after they were approached by people saying they could make the investigation go away. So, okay, so they are actually putting all the information in. They're just not putting it in until halfway through the article, uh, at which point most people have already stopped reading. Um. All right, so this kind of just goes on and talks a little bit more about the situation, but let's read from Matt Gates's own Twitter page. Uh, so Matt Gates has just tweeted this. He tweeted this, when did he tweet this? At 4.42 p.m., my time, which would be about two hours ago, about an hour ago, a little over an hour ago. He wrote, Over the past several weeks, my family and I have been victims of an organized criminal extortion involving former DOJ official, a former DOJ official, seeking $25 million while threatening to smear my name. So there, so he thinks that it's an organized criminal extortion. So he thinks there are other people involved. Now, if there are other people involved, my guess is this has been orchestrated by Democrats. Okay. You know, I'm just going to go ahead and retweet that. So if you want to see that, you can check my Twitter page or just go to Matt Gates's Twitter page. All right, let's see here. We've been cooperating with federal authorities in this matter. And then he says, and my father has even been wearing a wire at the FBI's dis- uh, direction to catch these criminals. The planted leak to the FBI tonight was intended to thwart that investigation. What he meant uh, to the New York Times. The planted leak to the New York Times tonight was intended to thwart the investigation. That's what he meant to write. He messed up. Uh, no part of this uh, investigation against me, no part of the allegations against me are true, and the people pushing these lies are targets. Ah, so what he's saying is the people pushing uh, the lies, I don't understand what he means, are targets. The people pushing the lies are targets. I don't know what that means exactly. Um... Oh, here we go. Of the ongoing extortion investigation. <laughs> well, that's why, because there's a the, the sentence wasn't over. The people pushing the lies are targets of the ongoing extortion investigation. So the people lying about him and the underage girl, um, they're the people that the FBI are actually investigating uh, with regard to um, with regard to what ha- what's you know what the whole investigation is. Okay. Matt Gates says, I demand the DOJ immediately release the tapes made at their discretion, made at their direction. I keep saying discretion when it's direction. I don't know why. Uh, which implicate their former colleague in crimes against me based on false allegations. So apparently there is evidence to indicate, uh, you know, that would exonerate Matt Gates in the public forum, in the public sphere. And he wants that done. Um, of course, some people don't believe him. Uh, you know, the, you've got all these guys. You've got all these like leftists who just hate Matt Gates, and they just they want to believe that he's some kind of horrible, evil pedophile, even though he isn't. Um, now, one thing I wanted to do, this is a little bit of a cheat. I want to play you guys, um, because Matt Gates was just on Tucker Carlson, just on Tucker Carlson. And so I want to play you guys the, um, the interview. It's a little bit of a, a watch, but I think it's well worth it. Um, you may have seen this already if you've been watching Tucker Carlson, but uh, this is Matt Gates talking about the situation in his own words. Florida Congressman Matt Gates is under federal investigation for playing some role in sex trafficking and potentially having a relationship with a 17-year-old girl. There are very few details 
in major news outlets tonight about this story. We have no background on it all and not even any very informed questions. Instead, we've invited Congressman Gates on the show to respond to these stories and give us his view of them. Congressman, thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate it. Um, so this is obviously a serious allegation. Tell us what the truth is from your perspective. It is a horrible allegation and it is a lie. The New York Times is running a story that I have traveled with a 17-year-old woman, and that is verifiably false. People can look at my travel records and see that that is not the case. What is happening is an extortion of me and my family involving a former Department of Justice official. On March 16th, my father got a text message demanding a meeting wherein a person demanded $25 million in exchange for making horrible sex trafficking allegations against me go away. Our family was so troubled by that, we went to the local FBI. And the FBI and the Department of Justice were so concerned about this attempted extortion of a member of Congress that they asked my dad to wear a wire, which he did with the former Department of Justice official. Tonight, I am demanding that the Department of Justice and the FBI release the audio recordings that were made under their supervision and at their direction, which will prove my innocence and that will show that these allegations aren't true. They're merely intended to try to bleed my family out of money. And this former Department of Justice official tomorrow was supposed to be contacted by my father so that specific instructions could be given regarding the wiring of $4.5 million as a down payment on this bribe. I don't think it's a coincidence that tonight, somehow, the New York Times is leaking this information, smearing me, and ruining the investigation that would likely result in uh, one of the former colleagues of the current DOJ being brought to justice uh, for trying to extort me and my family. So a, a couple of obvious questions that come to mind, and again, just to restate, this just happened, don't have any other information beyond what we've already said and you have said. Um, who, first of all, who is this Department of Justice former employee who's trying to extort the money from you, you say? His name is David McGee. He was a top official in the leadership in the Northern District of Florida as a prosecutor. He currently works at the Beggs and Lane Law Firm. As a matter of fact, one of the recordings that was made at the FBI and Department of Justice request occurred at that law firm. And the money that was supposed to be paid today that would have shown even more evidence of David McGee's work in this extortion scheme, that was foiled by the New York Times story. And I believe that's why this, uh, this horrible information and these terrible allegations have been used this evening. So you're, and, and I'll get to the investigation in a sec, but, but you're saying that David McGee was motivated by greed. He was trying to extort money from your family. That's his motivation, you're saying. Uh, I know that there was a demand for money in exchange for a commitment that he could make this investigation go away along with his co-conspirators. They even claim to have specific connections inside the Biden White House. Now, I don't know if that's true. They were promising that Joe Biden would pardon me. Obviously, I don't need a pardon. I'm not seeking a pardon. I have not done anything improper or wrong. But what I am troubled by uh, is the real motivation for all of this. You know, just tonight, Ted Lieu, a Democrat, is calling on me to be removed from the House Judiciary Committee 
And I believe we are in an era of our politics now, Tucker, where people are smeared to try to take them out of the conversation. I'm not the only person on screen right now who's been falsely accused of a terrible sex act. You were accused of something that you did not do. And so you know what this feels like. You know the pain it can bring to your family. And you know how it, it just puts people on defense when you're accused of something so salacious and awful. But it did not happen. It is not true. And the fact that it is the basis of this attempt to extort my family tells a lot. And if the FBI and Department of Justice will release the tapes that they are in possession of, the American people will see what is really going on. You just referred to a mentally ill viewer who accused me of a sex crime 20 years ago. Um, and it, of course, it was, it was not true. I never met the person. Um, but but I, I do agree with you that being accused falsely is one of the worst things that can happen. And you do see it a lot. Let's go back to the investigation. You, you say that it, was, uh, that it was or is underway. There was an investigation. What is the basis of that investigation? What is the allegation? Is that really not very clear from these news stories? Yeah, again, I only know what I've read in the New York Times. Uh, I can say that actually you and I went to dinner uh, about two years ago. Your wife was there, and I brought a friend of mine. You'll remember her. And she was actually threatened by the FBI, told that if she wouldn't cop to the fact that somehow I was involved in some pay-for-play scheme, uh, that she could face trouble. And so uh, I do believe that there are people at the Department of Justice who are trying to smear me, uh, you know, providing for flights uh, and hotel rooms for people that you're dating who are of legal age is not a crime. Uh, and I'm just troubled that the lack of any sort of legitimate uh, investigation into me would then permute, would then convert into this extortion attempt. I, I don't remember the, the woman you're speaking of or the context at all, honestly. But I, I would like to know who. So they're saying there is a 17 year old girl who uh, you had a relationship with. Is that true? And who are they? Who is this girl? What are they talking about? I, uh, the New York Times. The person doesn't exist. I have not had a relationship with a 17 year old. That is totally false. The allegation, as I read it in The New York Times, is that I've traveled with some 17 year old in some relationship. That is false. And records will bear that out to be false. How, how long has this investigation been going on, do you know? I, I don't know. When were you first informed of it? Uh, you know, again, I, I, I really saw this as a deeply troubling challenge for my family on March 16th when people were, you know, talking about a, a minor and that there were pictures of me with child prostitutes. Uh, that's obviously false. There will be no such pictures because no such thing happened. Um, but really on March 16th was when this got going uh, from the extortion standpoint. So what, what happens next? I mean, you, you can see there is this investigation, I guess a criminal investigation. I'm not quite sure where the sex trafficking part comes in. I don't, again, for the fifth time, I don't really understand this story very well. But wh where does it go from here? I mean, you're, you've made an allegation against someone by name on the air and accused him of trying to extort millions of dollars from your family. What, what happens tomorrow? Well, what was supposed to happen uh, was the transfer of this money that would have implicated the former colleague of these current DOJ officials. But that's obviously not going to happen tomorrow because the New York Times story was leaked in order to quell that investigative effort. So here's what needs to happen next. The FBI and the Department of Justice must release the tapes that are in their possession that were done at their direction. Those tapes will show that I am innocent and that the whole concept of sex charges against me was 
really just a way to try to bleed my family out of money and probably smear my name because I am a well-known, outspoken conservative. And I guess that's out of style in a lot of parts of the country right now. Yeah, so um, this is a great this is a great interview. I'm so glad that Tucker did this. And he asked exactly the right questions, right? So uh, the question that needed to be asked was, did you ever date a 17-year-old girl? Uh, and that's perfect. That's a perfect question because that's really where I think people will think, okay, maybe Matt Gates did date a 17-year-old girl. Maybe he didn't think he did anything wrong, but maybe he actually did something wrong or whatever. But if he's never actually even dated a 17-year-old girl, then none of this, you know, then none of this is possibly true, right? At least according to the story as they've put it in the New York Times, um, or that he's ever had anything to do with any of these uh, underage girls. Um, it's a, it's the kind of story that you can tell certain people, and if they want to believe it, they just will, right? So it doesn't really matter if it's true. It doesn't really matter if there's any... It doesn't even matter if the guy who's accused him is put in prison for this. It doesn't matter. Like It doesn't matter how much exoneration... Matt Gates goes through, there will be certain people who will always believe this. They will stick to him forever just because of the exact uh, of the accusation. You know, this is like what happened with uh, Trump and Russia. There are still many Democrats out there who think that Donald Trump colluded with the Russians to steal the 2016 election. If you ask a lot of Democrats, they'll they'll say that still to this day. Um, you know, if you talk to people about what he was intending uh, to you know, the message he was intending to send to the Ukrainian uh, president. There are many Democrats today who will still say that, oh, he was trying to get him to dig up or to manufacture false, uh, false, uh, you know, evidence of of wrongdoing by Joe Biden. They'll tell tell you that they they believe it because it was an exact it was an accusation that was made in the press. You know, it was made uh, by a lot of Democrats in uh, Washington D.C. Um, they said it many, many, many times. And there's just a lot of people. I, I've talked to a friend of mine whose mother is like a strong Democrat. And we, we use her to kind of, you know, as an indication of why Democrats believe a lot of the stuff that they believe. And uh, what we figured out, at least with her, is that she she just thinks that the media would not report things that weren't true. <laughs> she just thinks that there's, you know, these media companies, they're too big um, they're, they're too professional. They hire, you know, people with morals and ethics and that they, they just, there's just too many people. They, they wouldn't all be lying. And that's a very powerful argument actually, because there are a lot of people at the, at CNN. There are a lot of people at the New York times. There are a lot of people at MSNBC. These major corporations do hire hundreds of people. And it does seem a little bit weird that they all kind of join in on these lies, on these stories that aren't true. You know, and somebody like Project Veritas will go in and they'll have somebody record um, record uh, producers or, or people talking about, um, talking about how it's not true and how they know it's not true and how they're just doing it for ratings and stuff like that. Um, and that news will get leaked, but the only people that will hear, hear it are people like us. Uh, and so we're the only ones that, that know the truth, that CNN is lying to you. Um, but the people who like CNN and who watch CNN, they, they, they may hear something about that, but they may choose not to watch it, or even if they do watch it, they'll say, oh, that's just one producer. He doesn't know what he's talking about. 
you know, or something like that. And uh, it's it's weird, man, how they'll justify this stuff. So Matt Gates will forever be believed to to have done this by certain people, even though um, I think that it'll come out that it's totally false. And what's really interesting is that Matt Gates claims that this this investigation was all going to come to a head when the money was actually passed off. Uh, and obviously somebody at the DOJ knew this or somebody somebody who was involved in this extortion scheme knew this and they they told this guy don't go through with it instead we need to leak all of this information now we need to leak these accusations now so this is this is obviously a sophisticated scheme to try to defame um matt gates right so the idea is you you call matt gates up and you say look um the doj is going to look into you for this particular crime they're going to probably arrest you you're going to have your name smeared you're going to lose your job uh we can make this all go away if you give us 25 million bucks now the 25 million bucks that's not really important to the people that are trying to extort matt gates uh what's important is that matt gates pays the money and then the scheme is revealed in the media that matt gates paid this money uh, to 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 quiet people who were accusing him, or to try to silence the DOJ, or to stop them investigating this this thing that happened, and then you say, "Look, he paid the money, and therefore that's proof that he is guilty of this crime." Um, now, if he doesn't agree to to present the money, well, then you just put you you just have to put it out in the press anyway, leak it out in the press anyway. But Matt Gates agreed to give the money, but this was all being monitored by the FBI. They knew what he was doing in order to catch the criminals. Um, but just before, the day before, he said the day before, he was set to, to hand off the money so that they could implicate these criminals and arrest them and all this kind of stuff and get them on all these charges. Uh, the, the story was leaked to the New York Times. And the New York Times reported it basically as, you know, taking the word of the, you know, the, the blackmailers. Um, even though they did put sort of buried in the middle Matt Gates's uh, response, let's see here. Oh, I was hoping it was more Matt Gates breaking news, but it's Britney Spears breaking news, so we will not be reading that. Thank you, Fox, for alerting me to the Britney Spears breaking news. <laughs> anyway, great interview on Tucker. Uh, you know, normally I wouldn't just put up somebody else's interview, but that was critical. That was a really good interview, and uh, yeah. Anyway, so. I'm hoping that this all comes out okay, but another indication of the typical techniques of the Democrats. There's a famous video. Let's see if I can find this. There's a famous video of um, Nancy Pelosi uh, talking about talking about how you um, smear somebody, and she called it a wrap-up smear. I think she called it wrap up smear yeah Uh, let's go ahead and watch that video because this is another example of how democrats will just say they'll just say things you know they'll they'll just they'll they'll um let's see here i think this might be it yeah how 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 the democrats Let's see here. Let me let me go ahead and play this for you guys if you've never seen it before. This is I I love this video because it it indicates how Democrats do stuff. 
and uh, she just she just doesn't care. She's she's actually in saying this, in talking about this, she's actually accusing Republicans of doing it. But the truth is, this is what Democrats do. This is what Democrats do. So let me go ahead and click my audio off, and I'll turn the audio on. happened in Georgia this week. The fact is we're very proud of the race that was run there. The candidate who carried the banner, John Ossoff, had a great campaign. I was interested in uh, some of the statements of the people. I don't have it right here. A big chunk in money because it shows these were races chosen by the president in terms of uh, That is the wrong video, but it's from the same this is from the same uh, press conference, so it's con- it's so confusing. Let me let me play it from uh, from C-SPAN. Maybe we can watch it on C-SPAN here. Let's see here. A negative ad. So, so. oh, sorry. Is it worth it to try and I guess like rehab your image? And- some of these Republican districts or to sort of present what you've done or are you guys more focused on just... What people say to me all the time, you raise more money than anybody. Maybe not the Obamas and the Clintons, but I've not run for president. Why don't you spend some of your money on yourself? Go out there and say what you did, this, this, and this. But, you know, it's just not... Maybe I should, but the fact is uh, what I want to do is have these members present themselves. Because basically, at the end of the day... That's what people are interested in, that contrast. So they focus on something else. You merchandise it. So they don't want them to see that contrast. So they focus on something else. And it's a diversionary tactic. It's a self-fulfilling problem. You demonize, and then you, it, we call it the wrap-up smear. If you want to talk politics, you call it the wrap-up smear. You smear somebody with falsehoods and all the rest, and then you merchandise it. And then you write it. And they'll say, see, it's reported in the press that this, 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 and this. So they have that validation that the press reported the smear. And then it's called the wrap-up smear. Now I'm going to merchandise the press's report on the smear that we made. And it's, it's a tactic. Uh, it's a tactic. It's a tactic. Look how smiley she is the whole time she's talking about that. What a slimy, horrible person. So, yeah, so they, they, they're actually pretty open sometimes. Every once in a while, they're, they're pretty open about how corrupt they are. Um, you know, you just have to read between the lines. So if she's saying that Republicans are doing this thing, let me give you a, 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 an incredibly detailed uh, explanation of how this exactly works. And, you know, how, how is she so expert at this? Well, probably because she does it a lot. I mean, this is basically... Uh, an illustration of exactly how she smeared Trump over and over and over again for four years while he was president and even before when he was running. Um, Anyway, Democrats are criminals. What do I say on this show? Democrats are criminals. If you vote for a Democrat, you're voting for a criminal. All right, let's move on to the next story. Uh, What is the next story? That's That's a great question. Okay, we got the Matt Gates one. Oh yeah, Biden. Oh, here we go. Let me just look at my list here. All right, next story. Joe Biden's $4 trillion infrastructure plan has massive tax hikes. All right, so let's look at this. Oh, that's that's an adorable little bat. 
Hold on, I think I gotta refresh the page here. All right, Biden to announce up to four trillion dollar infrastructure plan with mass- massive tax hikes. All right, so Biden will outline his massive. Oh, hold on, uh, you you couldn't see the uh, adorable bat because I don't have the desktop thing on, right? Yeah, there we go. All right, so here's here's Pisaki. You know what? Let's just listen to Pisaki for a second. I want to hear what she has to say. Uh, Let me just say that the speech tomorrow is about uh, making an investment in America, Uh, not just modernizing our roads, our railways, our bridges, but building an infrastructure of the future. So some of it is certainly infrastructure shovel-ready projects. Some of it is how do we expand broadband access. Some of it is ensuring that we are uh, addressing uh, the needs in people's homes and communities. So there are a range of components uh, that will be he'll talk about when he proposes his his uh, his ideas tomorrow uh, when he lays that out in his speech in Pittsburgh. And how much more should wealthy Americans expect to pay? Will the top marginal rate go back to 39.6% under this proposal? Well, I expect that um, tomorrow, again, the speech is really about his vision, his vision for creating jobs, good-paying union jobs, and really investing in the industries of the future. But he thinks it's responsible, it's the responsible thing to do, to propose a way to pay for that over time. So, uh, And he also believes that there's more that can be done to uh, make the corporate tax code fair. Hold on. You know one of these days she's going to mess up, right? You know one of these days she's going to be like, uh, she's going to say she... Or she's going to say they instead of he talking about Joe Biden. Um, because this is not Joe Biden's vision. This has nothing to do with Joe Biden. Uh, but she's she's good at pretending. She's good at pretending that it is. I say here, uh, President Biden will outline a massive three, three to four trillion dollar infrastructure plan Wednesday, which will create f- uh, four tax increases worth around eight, 1.8 uh, trillion. I don't know. I can't read. Uh, the White House revealed listening to her is painful i gotta say all right the commander-in-chief's build back better proposal a centerpiece of his post-covid campaign message will be split into two packages for congress to pass build back better build back better is awful for a couple of reasons but it was also the uh slogan in the uk uh, i think for their campaign for their campaigns for something and then it was also something that was mentioned by the um Oh, what was it like? Uh, I don't know. This international organization, I forget. Those people who made the whole, like, we're going to do this new world order thing. All this kind of crap. You know what I'm talking about? Anyway, the Build Back Better, Better thing is like an international slogan now. Um, and it's not one that's attractive. Nobody likes the term Build Back Better. It's not It's not like America First. It's not like uh, Make America Great Again. It's not like any of those. Those things are things that people get excited about. Build Back Better, it's just... Uh, it's just alliterative garbage. It sounds like it was written by a, a, a terrible failed poet. Anyway, let's uh, let's keep reading this. So, the first uh, okay, the, okay, uh, two packages will pa- pass. The first, the White House said, will focus on infrastructure on infrastructure investments specifically. The second will focus on funding domestic policy areas of Democrat concern, such as providing universal pre kindergarten tuition, free community college, as well as health care. God, I hate it when Democrats are in office. We gotta fix this somehow, guys. Um, billions will be put toward the care of the elderly and disabled, as well as housing infrastructure and manufacturing. As far as how he's gonna pay for it, Biden's main priority will be to raise the corporate rate from twenty-one to twenty 
21 to 28%. In addition, Biden's proposal would impose global maximum global minimum tax on profits from foreign organizations, increased capital gains taxes on the wealthy, and returning to the Bush-era individual tax rate of 39.6% for those making over $400,000 a year. Let me just say this. This guy has no idea, not only, forget Joe Biden, the people who control Joe Biden have no idea how to improve a country. All right? This, this actually pisses me off. It pisses me off because Donald Trump came in and he actually created an economy that was the best we've probably ever seen in the history of the country, right? Uh, there, was more, there was more quality of life improvements under Trump than we've ever seen, right? And quality of life improvements are obviously... Quality of life improvements are obviously facilitated by advancing technologies, all right? So especially since the 1990s and the internet and the development of smartphones and stuff like that, we've seen huge quality of life improvements, right? I can tell uh, my a little black box over there to turn the lights on and they'll turn the lights on. Um, you can now buy a massive OLED flat screen TV, even if you're a sort of like middle class person. Whereas before, it was like something only the uber-wealthy could afford. Um, you know, you can really travel anywhere in the world, even if you're sort of like, uh, you know, low, lower income, you know, lower middle class. Uh, you can fly anywhere in the world, stay at a hotel, have a nice vacation. Uh, and all of this is facilitated by massive advancements in technology, massive advancements in, you know, we've... You you can get you have the library of all the books ever written in history on your phone now. You can read any book ever written in history on your phone right now. Go to archive.org. You can go and you can read anything. Uh, you know, obviously the, the newer books you have to buy, but older books you get for free on your phone at any time you want ever. It's amazing. I mean, we live in a, in a, in a world, you, you can go on, on Amazon, and I don't want to praise Amazon because Jeff Bezos is a complete tool but really you can go on amazon and buy cheap stuff from all over the world uh for your house that looks amazing i mean you don't have to be wealthy anymore to live like a king we live in a, an amazing society and it's mostly due to the technological advancement but we weren't capitalizing on that technological advancement back in the obama era because they didn't know how to do it but you know who did know how to do it donald trump and they pretended like everything Trump was doing was fascistic, was, you know, that he was the reincarnation of Adolf. I won't say the last name because I don't want to get this video demonetized, although it probably already is. Um, yeah, there's, there, there was absolutely no... And, and the really awful thing about this is that they so demonized everything Trump did that I think that they feel like now they have to reverse course on all of his policies. They have to do something else. They have to come up with their own way. Right, But if you look at what Donald Trump did, and it was the best possible way forward, and you say, okay, this guy did the best possible thing, but we've said to the American people that he was wrong, and he was evil, and he was horrible, and everything he did was bad and stupid, and there we, therefore we have to come up with our own other solution, your solution will inevitably be worse. If what that guy did was the best thing, and you've said it's, it was horrible, and you lied about it, and you said it was horrible, you obviously can't do that thing. You have to do something else. But whatever else you do is going to be worse. And the problem is, I don't think that anything that 
Biden is going to do is like the second best thing. I think everything that the that, that the Biden administration that the Biden administration is going to do is going to be devastating. I think everything that they're doing is going to make the economy worse. It's going to slow it down, and it's going to reduce quality of life. I don't think it's just going to slow the slow the improvement in quality of life. I think it's going to reduce quality of life. That's my prediction. Um, and he's just proposing trillions upon trillions upon trillions of dollars tax increases, and it's like, oh, we're just going to. The guy's already put in so much money, and they've even actually just said straight up, we're going to put this into Democrat pet projects, projects, areas of Democratic concern, right? This is about what the Democrats want to do. And the Demo- what the Democrats want to do is not what is in the best interest in the United States of America. It's whatever Democrats want to do, right? Whatever friends they want to pay off. The Democrats are criminals. Don't vote for a Democrat or you're voting for a criminal. Let's move on to the next story, shall we? All right, next story. Rhode Island to ban critical race theory. Well, this is a surprise. Now, I didn't actually have a chance to read this, so I'm. this is going to be new for me, just like it is for you. But I think that Rhode Island is a left-wing state, if I'm not mistaken. Let me go ahead and look that up, actually, real quick. Rhode Island uh, presidential election results. Let's see here. Yeah, they voted for Joe Biden um, by a lot. He won by 60% in Rhode Island. So this is a far-left state, far-left state. I should I should have had that memorized. That's a that's a pretty easy one actually. But let's go ahead and have a have a look at this story. Um, this is again from the Daily Caller. I don't need this frame here. Okay, uh, a group of GOP state representatives. Oh, huh. let's see here. I, I think that photo is actually of Lincoln in in Portland, Oregon, but maybe not. Maybe that's in Rhode Island. Okay, let's see here. A group of GOP state representatives. Uh, in Rhode Island, introduced a bill to the General Assembly that would prohibit teaching divisive concepts. Okay, so this is just the GOP in Rhode Island. This may not actually go through then. The H.6070 bill introduced this week, introduced into the state's uh, house in early March, seeks to prohibit the teaching of divisive concepts and would make and would mandate... I don't know why I can't read today, guys. And would mandate that any contracts granting... <sighs> that any contract, grant, or training program entered into by the state or any municipality include provisions prohibiting teaching divisive concepts and prohibiting making any individual feel discomfort, guilty, guilt, guilty or anguish, sorry, discomfort, guilty, anguish, or any distress on account of their race or sex. All right. Let's see. Additionally, the bill offers 10 definitions of what should qualify as a divisive concept banned from public education. Yeah. I'm always a little bit hesitant when it comes to banning speech. I don't think speech should be banned. But uh, in the case of critical race theory... Oh, hello. I didn't mean to do that. Um, Something has to be done, but I don't know about banning. Let's see here. Christopher Rufo writes, Breaking Rhode Island has introduced legislation to ban critical race theory training programs. The bill would prohibit public institutions from promoting race essentialism, collective guilt, and neo-segregation. Let's go, Rhode Island. I don't know if I'm as happy about it as other conservatives. Let's hear concepts deemed controversial enough to consist 
banning include assertions that any individual by virtue of their race or sex is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive, whether consciously or unconsciously, or individuals should feel discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any other form of physiological, physiological, psychological distress uh, on account of their race or sex, according to the document. The Rhode Island House Committee on Education will debate Wednesday on the bill NBC10 reported. Introduction of the proposed legislation comes days after Providence Mayor George Alorza unveiled the findings of a study that reported reportedly shed light on separate but unequal existence of blacks, indigenous, and people of color communities in the state. The number of city leaders involved in the study have already spoken out against the, the bill. Reconciliation and the resulting reparations really is for everyone's benefit. <laughs> reparations is for everyone's benefit. If we don't call out our history and understand it, history will have shown that we will repeat it and have repeated some of these wrongs for too long. All right. But, you know, here's the funny thing about the separate but unequal thing. Um... It isn't. It isn't. It doesn't tend to be white people or Republicans um, who are demanding that people be separated. It tends to be leftists and and people of color, or specifically black people, tend to want to be separated. Right? Um, we've reported in the past on, I think it's Columbia University in in New York um, has all of these like segregated graduation ceremonies. I mean. So it used to be the idea used to be that we were a melting pot, right? That everybody could come to America and you know, they could all have the American dream. They could all, uh, you know, take advantage of the generosity of the American system and, and, and how, uh, you know, how much equality that there is here and how much opportunity that there is here. But the one thing that was expected of everybody is that they would melt into the country. That is, they would a little bit of their, the essence of their own personality, their own culture would be absorbed into the country, but for the most part, they would assimilate into the culture of the country that they were moving into, right? This is the, this is the natural course of, you know, what you do. If you, if you respect a place and you like it and you want to go there, the assumption is that you're going to want to embrace the culture that they have there. Now, Democrats, so we kind of effectively were able to do this in a way where people weren't being ridiculed or there was not a lot of racism against, you know, immigrants that were coming here. Uh, in like, like I said, I've always said like the eighties and nineties, we had gotten, I think to about the pinnacle of that. And then for whatever reason, Democrats said, that's not enough. We, we, we get a lot of power. We get a lot of prestige from appointing at Republicans and saying that they're racist and we can't do that anymore because the Republicans aren't being racist. So what are we going to do? Well, we'll say that, it's not enough to accept people for their race. We also have to accept their culture, and their culture, we have to say, is better than our culture, and therefore people should retain their own culture. So it's no longer a melting pot. They started to say it's a salad bowl, right? And they started pushing this idea of multiculturalism. Not only do we have a multiracial uh, country, we now have a multicultural country where you don't have to just be an American in the sense that you know you embrace American culture, but you can also be, you know, um, you know, you can come from Africa and retain your tribal culture. You can come from Mexico and retain your Mexican culture. You can come from China and retain your Chinese culture, and all live together in harmony in America. No, you have to embrace to some degree American culture because if you come here from 
say Saudi Arabia, where they have this culture of like stoning gays to death and throwing them, throwing them off rooftops and stuff like that. And you say, that's the culture that I want to retain. I want to retain a culture in which you murder people that you think brought shame upon your family. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's not going to work here in America, right? To some degree, you have to embrace American culture, American values, American laws. That's how we work as a country. In the UK, they took on this same idea of multiculturalism. Oh, we're going to let people embrace their own culture and we don't want to force our own culture on them and all this kind of stuff. And then what they ended up having was like a couple of decades, I think it was like a few decades, of women being kidnapped, well, sometimes kidnapped, sometimes coerced by these um, mostly Pakistani gangs. Uh, And they were... They were um, forced into prostitution. Uh, they were, you know, raped by you know many, many men, sometimes hundreds of men. Um, and these women were always, or almost always, white women. They were target. They would target white women. These Pakistani gangs would target white women, and they would commit all these sex crimes against them. And this was happening for a very long time. And police officers knew about this. The police knew about it, but they didn't want to be called racist, so they didn't say anything about it. Because of multiculturalism. Well, it's just their culture. And this was tragic. You can look into it, right? They're called grooming gangs in the, in the UK. And this happened to thousands of British women. Thousands of British women. Not British women. Girls. Girls like as young as like 12 years old. Thousands of them. Thousands and thousands. And so this is what happens when you say, you can come to America or you can come to the UK in that, in that instance. You don't have to embrace our culture. You can do whatever you want here because your culture, we respect your culture. And you take a hands-off approach and you say, and you say we're, going to be, we're going to be passive about this. We're going to let you do whatever you want. No. You come to America, you've got to become an American. This is, this is why illegal immigration is so terrible. You, you can't just let whoever wants to come here come in and do whatever they want. Or you've got to like, vet these people and and make sure that they're somewhat decent uh you can't just let in everybody because you feel guilty because you're a white person you have you know you have white privilege or whatever you think you have um the, the problem is that you have these rich leftist white people who feel guilty about being rich i think that's what it is and they they associate their wealth with being white which they shouldn't do because there's wealthy people of every race and they say, well, well, we're so lucky because we're born white and we have all this great, awesome stuff and we're so rich and it's so great being white and so great being rich. And, you know, we should just like make it so that black people can be rich too. Even though, you know, they forget the fact there are tons of black people. If you go to Beverly Hills, pretty much everybody driving a Bentley is black, but whatever. So they have this guilt. They have this idea. Oh, I feel guilty. I'm going to like, I'm going to do some nice things for these people of other cultures. Let's open the borders and let them in and let them experience the wealth of America. So they let everybody in. But it's not their kids getting raped. It's the poor kids in the same neighborhood that live kind of like in the same neighborhoods as these immigrants. They're the ones that get screwed over, right? It's the poor people who are trying to get a job at, you know, whatever they can. And that job is taken by an illegal immigrant who can work that job for half the price because they're not subject to the same regulations as an American citizen. Um, you know, the same laws, really. You're illegal. You're not subject to laws in America in the same way that it, you you are if, you know. I got, I got an accident when I was really young. I got an accident, and the guy was an illegal immigrant. 
and uh, he didn't have a license. He didn't even have a license. And so, you know, this I was really young. I was like, I think I was like, you know, sixteen. I was first driving, and you know, they just kind of disappeared, and the insurance company couldn't do anything about it. And so, like, I got charged for everything. It was all my fault. It was on the record, even though it wasn't my fault. Yeah, the accident wasn't my fault, and it, I got—I basically got screwed because this illegal immigrant had hit me. Um, and this kind of stuff happens all the time, where it's an illegal immigrant, so they're not—you know—they're not subject to the laws in quite the same way. And sometimes they run into people and kill them, and all kinds of bad stuff happens. But you know, they can just kind of slip through the system because there's no real records of them. And illegal immigration is a terrible thing. People don't realize how bad it is. Um, you know, we know what's going on at the border with all the rapes of all the girls. 80% of girls that try to cross the border are raped. Anyway, I'm getting kind of lost on a tangent here. But, uh, yeah, we're talking... <laughs> we were originally talking about critical race theory. And l- let me try to just forget what I was saying. Let's get back to this. Um, I don't I don't know if you should be able to ban critical race theory. Um, in terms of... In government, like banning it as something that's taught in government, I can understand that. Or public schools, I can understand that. But I don't think people should be banned uh, with any kind of speech, even though it is, I'm totally against critical race theory. I think it's terrible. I think it's wrong. Um, Yeah, you can't ban stuff like that. So I don't know if that bill is going to go through. I do think that there are ways that we should be able to fight against this. And I think the primary way is just to talk about it in the media. Um, We have a huge problem in America right now with media. Like, they're just so bought into the leftist idea. All right, enough tangents, enough talking about critical race theory. We all know that it's divisive. It Basically, they say white people are evil, white people are terrible. Um, let's move on to the next story. <laughs> all right, so the next story is AP staff. Okay, so the Associated Press is telling their staff not to call the border crisis a crisis. Now, you'll remember that the Associated Press was the same organization that recently did the um, polling that indicated that Biden has a 60% approval rating and his handling of COVID is approved by 70% of Americans, right? That I said, I told you when when we, we talked about that, I said, that is... Total BS. There is no way that Biden has... I mean, not that I have to tell you guys, you know. But Biden does not have a 60% approval rating. That's such nonsense. Um, So now that same organization, Associated Press, is now telling their staff not to call the border crisis a crisis. Don't call it a crisis, guys. Because the Biden administration doesn't want it called a crisis. So we won't call it a crisis. They are such hacks. I, I never thought I'd see the day when the Associated Press became a left-wing propaganda machine. I mean, it's absolutely disgusting. Because, okay, so if you guys know what the Associated Press is, the Associated Press used to be um, a sort of organization that connected journalists from all over the country, basically. And the concept of Associated Press stories was that it was absolutely neutral, like like to to the degree where you wouldn't even get... um, you know, they, they tried to almost have no personality in their stories. Their stories were just like, just the facts. It was almost like a list of facts, Associated Press stories. And other newspapers and stuff would pick up Associated Press stories, and then they would sort of modify these stories sometimes to kind of make them a little bit more interesting, right? Um, and they would say, the Associated Press reported that 
XYZ, right? And they would fill it in with their, you know, with their style of whatever their newspaper was or whatever their journalists were, however they were writing their editorial style. But the Associated Press facts were always just supposed to be facts. And now they're as far left as any other media organization. It's terrible. It's terrible. All right. The Biden administration is urging people not to call the situation at the U.S.-Mexico border a crisis. And the Associated Press has taken heed. An AP editor now suggests that reporters rely on data so as not to portray migrants as negative or a harmful influence. Well, here's the thing. Nobody thinks that every single immigrant is negative or a harmful influence. But there are negative aspects to illegal migration. And there are certainly some illegal immigrants who are who need to be portrayed negatively because they're murderers and drug drug runners and things like that. A leaked memo from the Associated Press Vice President and Editor-at-Large for Standards, John... Okay, here we go. It's Polish. Polish names are always fun. <laughs> uh, Daniz, Danizuski. Danizuski. Uh, let's see here. Told AP staff to aim for, quote, accurate and neutral language. Accurate, I agree with. And neutral, I actually agree with, too. But I don't think that that's actually what they're aiming for. And that the definition of crisis has not been met by uh, the disastrous situation at the U.S.-Mexico border. Has not yet been met. So the disastrous situation at the U.S.-Mexico border has not yet reached a crisis-level crisis definition. You couldn't say that it's a crisis yet. Give me a break. Is he even paying attention? The memo was called, From the Standard Center, a note about the current increase in border entrances. Now, of course, you're not going to think it's a crisis if you think immigrant, like illegal immigration is a good thing. <laughs> You'd think that it was a party or something. I don't know. The memo read, The current events in the news, a sharp increase in the arrival of unaccompanied minors, is a problem for border, border officials, a policy, uh, a political chain, a challenge for the Biden... Pff, I don't know why I can't read it, I guess. A political challenge for the Biden and for Biden and a dire situation for many immigrants who make the journey. But it does not fit the classical, the classic definition. What is going on with this website? The the classic dictionary definition of of a crisis. Yes, it does actually. It totally does actually. If you recognize the problems with illegal immigration, it is a crisis. Yes. Uh, Danizuski said that if the word crisis is used, we need to ask of what and to whom, and you should. And you should, and you should write that story, Associated Press. There could be a humanitarian crisis if the numbers grow so large that officials can't house the migrants safely or in sanitary conditions. They can't. They can't. Okay? They're being... If 80% of the women on that migration are being raped, that's a crisis. That is a crisis. That alone. That's just one problem. Okay. Migrants may face humanitarian crises in their home countries. In theory, there could be a security or a border crisis if officials lose control at the border, allowing people to enter unencumbered in large numbers. You know, but in general, avoid hyperbole calling anything a crisis or an emergency. Okay, therefore, it goes to say, it goes on to say, we should avoid or at least be highly cautious about referring to the present situation as a crisis on our own, although we may quote others using that language. The AP has no problem referring to events at the U.S.-Mexico border as a crisis, or has had no problem referring to the, uh, okay, let me read this again. The AP had, has had no, pro fuck, 
I can't read today. I don't know what I don't know what's going on, guys. The AP has had no problem referring to events at the U.S.-Mexico border as a crisis in the past. They repeatedly used the term when Trump was in office, and even during the Obama years. Certainly, if it was a crisis then, it is a crisis now. While other news organizations continue to use the term, it appears crisis will no longer be in the Associated Press's vocabulary when describing the situation at the border. Yeah, see that, and that, and this really, this last part here, that's really the problem. Um where they say that uh, they've had no problem referring to the events at the U.S.-Mexico border as a, tr- as a crisis in the past. They repeatedly used the term when Trump was in office. That's really the problem. That's really the problem. Because saying that it's, you know, saying that it's a crisis when Trump is in office and then stopping using it when Biden's in office because you're a Democrat uh, and because the Biden administration obviously doesn't like it, that's where we see the problem here. And, I, you know, it's, it's such a shame because the Associated Press used to be the organization that you could go to and you knew that you were going to get just the facts. And now you're going to get tainted facts. And I suppose that this was something that happened throughout the Trump years where they became more and more sort of like uh, partisan left wing. But yeah, it's it's not good. All right, let's let's just move on to the next story. I'm I'm getting sickened by each 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 progressive story makes me more angry. All right, let's see. we got two left here. Biden says Americans still have a patriotic duty to wear masks. <laughs> we still got to wear masks, folks. It's our patriotic duty. All right, let's have a look here. Uh, Biden asks governors to reinstate mask mandates in a COVID-19 update. The president said Americans have a patriotic duty to wear masks and to socially distance. President Biden on Monday read concerns about rising COVID-19 um, cases and called on the state go- uh, governors to reinstate mask mandates, saying it is a patriotic duty of each American to c- continue to wear a mask. The president appeared to place blame for rising coronavirus cases on states like Texas and Mississippi that have relaxed coronavirus restrictions and ended statewide mask mandates in recent weeks. That assertion is not supported by the evidence, which shows the rate of positive COVID-19 cases following in those states, uh, even after, the- after ending the mask mandates. Large increases in positive Virus cases come from states that never removed mask mandates. I'm reiterating my call for every uh, governor, man. Uh, sorry. <laughs> throw, throw man in any sentence that sounds like Biden. I'm reiterating my call for every governor, mayor, and local leader to, re- to maintain and reinstate the mask mandate. Please, this is not politics. Reinstate the mask mandate. Uh, if you let it down, Biden said during a White House update on uh, additional efforts to expand COVID-19 vaccine distribution nationwide. The failure to take this seriously, sorry, the failure to take this virus seriously is precisely what got us into this mess in the first place. Risk, risks and uh, risks, more cases and more deaths, he added. No, that isn't what got us into this mess. Not taking it seriously was never a problem. Trump took it seriously from the very beginning. He tried to get people not to panic, which I think was totally appropriate. And the Democrats said that that was Trump lying to the American people about the seriousness or not taking it seriously. Neither of those things are true. You should try to keep your people from panicking during a, during a problem like this. And you should take it seriously behind the scenes. And he did both of those things. So uh, Biden's claim here is just, uh, is just an old and tired lie that he continues to perpetuate. Biden lies, I think, more than just about any other president I've ever seen, ever. I mean, even more than Obama, 
more than more than Bill Clinton. I mean, it's amazing how much Biden lies. I mean, he he's he was actually caught. Uh, he was caught. Um, what do you call it? plagiarizing? Plagiarizing speeches from other politicians. That that was that was in his first run for president back in the eighties. He's Biden is like a has no problem trying to do whatever he can, whatever he can um, that is completely unethical or even, you know, even illegal to advance his political career, to make his family rich. He doesn't, he doesn't, he has no, uh, he, he doesn't have a strong moral compass. And I think that it actually stems from the fact that he's a bit, um, he's a bit stupid. I think that, uh, I think that Biden is a bit dumb. And so, uh, and so he knows that it's it's hard for him to to accomplish anything really without and and you know he finds that he has an advantage a little bit when he cheats. He can get rich when he cheats. He can have political advantage when he cheats, when he lies, when he does unethical things. And so I think that's that's where he that, that stuff comes from. Let's see here. All right. Uh, the CDC expressed earlier today that this is not a time to lessen our efforts, Biden said. We could still see a setback in vac- vaccination programs. And most importantly, if we let our guard down now, we could see the virus getting worse, not better. You know, it's, it's really weird. A lot of people comment on how Biden's language doesn't seem to ever get uh, more hopeful. Biden's language is always like, you know, hysteria. Let's stoke hysteria. Let's keep everybody scared. Let's keep everybody locked down. Let's keep everybody wearing masks. It's like there is no idea of like, okay, it looks like the virus is going to pass. Looks like things are doing good. Looks like by this time everything is going to be fine, and uh, you know you guys can uh, you know start start returning to normal and stuff like that. I mean, I guess he's he's. I mean, the virus was never as bad as they said it was going to be, right? It was never as bad as they they said it was going to be, and the reaction to the virus was always worse than they said it was going to be right so they said when the, the virus first came along they said uh you know it's going to kill like millions and millions of people in america it didn't um they said that it's going to i think they said 100 million people or something ridiculous i don't remember exactly what they said but they said it was going to kill millions and millions and millions of people didn't kill anywhere near the number of people they said it was going to kill they said that every hospital was going to be just overflowing with patients nothing like that ever even came close to happening they said that, um, in fact, uh, you shouldn't have to wear a mask or you shouldn't wear a mask because masks don't work. And then they said, actually, you need to wear three masks. <laughs> I mean, it just keeps getting crazier and crazier. That You know, they they locked us down. Oh, hold on. Do we have a, the wife? Oh, we have the wife. Oh, Valeria's here. You want to come say hi, darling? All right. So, um all right, now he, he says, okay, let's see here. According to the most, rec- most uh, recent daily report from the White House COVID-19 team, more than 420,000 people tested positive for COVID-19 between March 21st and March 27th, an 11% increase in positive cases from the week prior and an average of about 60,000 new cases each day, although this is well below the all-time high of 250,000. Um, new daily coronavirus cases recorded in January. Health experts advising the president are concerned that a fourth surge in coronavirus infections may be imminent as several states remove restrictions and end mask mandates. Mask mandates were never really helping. Oh, hello, darling. Oh, you can please set it up. Please set it up. Let's let's do this. Sorry, you said you weren't coming. 
All right, you got her for the end, guys. She'll say goodbye to you. <laughs> I just realized that wasn't a very good kiss. It was a little awkward. That may not have looked good on film. I can't tell. But, uh, yeah. All right, let's see here. Uh, in Mississippi, which lifted mass mandate... It's mass mandate on March 2nd. Positive cases have fallen by 44% over the past two weeks, and deaths have fallen by 42%. That's great. I mean, th this is good This is good news. I mean, Biden needs to focus on the positive. But Biden's just, okay, let me just put it this way. Biden is not a good president. <laughs> I, I don't know if that actually has to be said, but he's not a good president. And the, the stuff that he's saying, here's what I don't like about it. This is what I wanted to talk about in this story. This this uh, idea that we have a patriotic duty to wear the mask. I hate this term. I hate this idea that we have a patriotic duty to wear the mask. The reason I hate that is because... Let's see here. Oh, yep, yeah, your camera's going. That's good. Um, the reason I hate this so much is that this is kind of like we were talking about yesterday about how people manipulate language um, in order to manipulate americans right so is wearing a mask does that have anything to do with patriotism does that have anything to do with your love of <laughs> the lo the love of your country uh no it's not a patriotic duty i mean it's kind of like the language they used in war right sacrificing in world war ii um certain things certain luxuries was considered patriotic. That sacrifice was considered patriotic. Um, and people believed that that was true because we were fighting in a war. Now the whole idea of wearing a mask being patriotic, nobody nobody really believes that. I mean, wearing a mask, if you believe that it will stop other people from getting sick, is a sacrifice, you could say, that could be made in order to protect other people. So it's a it's a it's maybe a sympathetic thing or it's a kind thing to do. Um, I think that your camera should be a little brighter, Don. Okay. Um, but it's certainly not a patriotic thing in particular. I, I would say that... Um, yeah, I, I don't... Here's the, th here's the thing. The most patriotic, if you want to use that manipulative language, um, but I would say the kindest thing to do, if you believe that you have been infected with COVID is not to go out and cough on people. <laughs> like, to me, that is that is what you do. You, you just, you can quarantine yourself until you're healthy again, right? Which is what most people do anyway, and it's what most people do when they have the flu. Like, if you have the flu, you stay in home bed, you try to get better. Once you're better, then you go outside. So with, with COVID, yeah, you can get some old people dying. So, okay, once you feel a little bit of, of a sickness coming on, you stay home just to be sure. Once the sickness passes, you stay home maybe a couple of days extra, just to be sure, and then you don't infect anybody. The people who are not kind, the people who are a bit cruel or selfish, they're the people who know they're sick and they go out anyway because they're like, well, I really wanted a donut, or I just felt a little cooped up. Now, that's awful, because if you happen to cough on an old person, you could kill that old person. And so it's a very unkind, unsympathetic thing to do. But wearing a mask... If you're sick and you go, oh, I'm, I'm going to go outside, but I can do it because, you know, that may have actually made more people sick. This idea that masks protect everybody. Oh, if, you, if you're sick, it's okay. You can go out and get your donut because if you wear a mask, I mean, that masks are magical. They'll just stop everybody getting sick.
Of course, it's magical. Did you see what happened in California where everyone were wearing masks from the beginning? <laughs> no. We had some of the most uh, severe mask mandates and also social pressure. Valeria and I went hiking uh, and it was a trail in which there were several other people walking past us. And just about everyone who looked at us had a mask and we did not. And they looked at us like we were the devil. I mean, they would look at us like we were pure evil. Like, ugh, look at these non-mask wearers. Don't they know there's a pandemic? Idiots. <laughs> it's funny. It's kind of interesting. If this people change, those people change their mind or they still like wearing oh no 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 because they only yes. watch msnbc they don't uh, they don't get they don't get the real oh that's news. a problem yeah yeah um should... yeah let's i guess you want to move on to the next story what's the story i don't have you don't have any of this i never I sent any of this stuff i'll read it it's the last story of the day okay hey buddy um black man unleashes anti-asian attack at Home Depot. Uh, this is actually pretty nasty. Um, I'm not, I don't have footage of the attack, which is good, because I think that this video will probably be taken down by uh, YouTube if I did have footage of that attack. Uh, let me fix my window here. Let's see. Oh, yeah, that looks a little bit better. There we go. All right, so let's see here. Man unleashes anti-Asian attack at New York City Home Depot. A hate-spewing suspect threatened to slash an Asian man at a Home Depot in Brooklyn just a few hours after an Asian woman was attacked by a racist assailant in front of, a, of do-nothing onlookers. Actually, the, the one... The do-nothing... So this is the one of the woman who was brutally attacked. Um, so this guy over here, he sees this. He's like a security guard. He sees this. He ends up just watching it. And another guy comes over and actually just shuts the door as she's laying in the street suffering after this guy stomps on her head several times. It's weird how black people hate Asians and want to hurt them. It's like, I don't even understand it. Not all black people, of course, just the criminal horrible ones. But uh, the criminal horrible white people aren't attacking Asians, so I don't know what the hell's going on. It's like it's a weird cultural thing that's going on right now. I, I don't know. Do you understand I, it in any uh, way? I, I, I mean, I try to think about it. Why? Because I saw all of these footages, uh, like black guy was harassing Asian old guy in yeah. the uh, subway. Yeah. But I, I, I don't understand. Like, I kind of want to dress up in yellow face, you know, like look all Asian-y and then like go into a black neighborhood like Charles Bronson. And just take them all out. Like anybody who attacks me, just take them out. <laughs> Vigilante justice in the Asian community. I can do it with my buddy Kurt. I get my Kurt to walk like 20 feet ahead of me. I think we should ask black people why, why they hate Asians. I don't think the ones that, that hate Asians are watching my show. I think the black people who watch my show but aren't those, the same ones that are beating up the guy, Asians. But that guy... Yeah. Is he alive? He the criminal who's who's beat her up? No, he's at large. Large? What is large? At, at large. At large. Yeah, that's a kind of weird expression, isn't it? Why, why is it at large? Does anybody know that? Write in the comments if you know what that means. Um, at large means that uh, that they've not been caught. That they're no. still... Yeah. Nobody knows who it is, actually. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why they call it at large. I'm going to look that up. That's fascinating. At large? Like, I would call it at 
on not on a leash or something that would be more <laughs> unleashed unleashed that yeah, would be yeah. more logical black racists unleashed next week on mtv <laughs> uh, i don't know why that's funny okay let's move on to this story all right now this is actually a really fu- a kind of a funny story because it was an asian man and i think it was a black woman or a white white woman it wasn't an asian woman so it was a couple the, the man was Asian, the woman, and so he started yelling at the woman for being with an Asian man. This is interesting. So, yeah, the so 28-year-old victim in Brooklyn was uh, with his girlfriend at the store in East New York around 2.30 p.m. Monday when a stranger approached the couple. It must have been a black girl. So the Asian Asian uh, guy was a black girl? Or? I'm guessing because the black guy who attacked the, him... Um, was was seemed to be mad that he was with a girl who wasn't Asian, and and there are some black people who really don't like mixed race relationships, especially when it's a black person with somebody else. Especially when it's a black guy and a white girl. Yeah, yeah, they don't like because that. I heard yeah. stories. Not all black people have that problem. No. In fact, the the, the black guys with white girls tend to be Republicans. <laughs> there was a joke about that. There was a whole uh, I think it was a Key and Peel Key and Peel sketch about that. Where they had like a like the the meeting of black Republicans, and for some reason they were all dressed like MacGyver. I don't understand that, but anyway. Uh, and then um, somebody comes in and they go, "Hey, somebody's wife's waiting for them outside," and uh, they're like, "Oh, uh, what does she look like?" And he goes, "She's a white woman," and everybody like leaves. <laughs> the, the the joke is that is that black guys who are Republicans all have white wives or white uh, yeah, girlfriends. You t- I think I think, I think I've, I've shown you this that. sketch before. Yeah. It's a pretty funny sketch. Um, in fact, our friend, uh, David Harris Jr. Is his, his wife's white? White. And we also have another friend named Errol and his wife, he, he, he dates, he's single, but he tends to date white girls. He likes white girls and racist. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, he's Jamaican. So I don't know what that means, but, uh, and then, uh, uh, Major Williams, I think his his wife is black, and he he's black. He's black. Yeah, he his wife is black. Um, so it's not always true. And actually, I have a couple of good friends who are white who have black wives, which is interesting. Um, I don't th- I don't know how much I, I should ask them how much uh, crap they've gotten from other black people about their relationships with these black women. I've never asked them about it. Anyway. Let's keep reading this. This 28-year-old victim in Brooklyn was with his girlfriend at the store in East New York around 2.30 p.m. Monday when a stranger approached the couple menacing them with a two-by-four piece of lumber, cops said. Uh, Why you with that little dick Asian N-word? The suspect asked the woman, who is not Asian, according to police and a source. I don't know why they say not Asian. Tell us what her race is. Tell us. Don't tell us what she's not. Tell us what she is. I think that's a little bit more interesting. Um, he then snarled at her boyfriend, I'll cut you, you effing Asian. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know why that's funny to me. Cut what? There is nothing cut from Asians. Oh, because they're not circumcised? That's very funny. That, that joke doesn't actually make sense. The, but... the joke about small penis, Asians have small penises. It's a, I mean, a stereotype. I don't really understand the joke. You said I'm not gonna lie. cut, cut, cut um, effing cut the Asian or something. Yeah, yeah. And I'm saying there's yeah. nothing, else nothing to cut to cut 
Oh, it's too short to cut. Is that okay? Not a good joke. Not a good joke. Well, well, well. I'm sure she's got better ones though, ladies and gentlemen. Just <laughs> give her time. Give her time. All right. Then uh, let's see here. So he he says uh, the suspect then fled, and the victim who lives in Rockaway Beach, Queens, reported the incident to workers uh, at the store before heading to the 75th precinct to talk to cops. Police said the victim described the suspect as black, having a thin build and a scar near his eye. Cops said. Cops are now looking for possible surveillance footage. I thought he said he was something like he was a blood or something like that. Oh, yeah. He said, I'll cut you, you effing Asian. And then he said, and then he said, don't call anyone. I'm a blood. I'll shoot you. <laughs> Maybe he is. Maybe he is. Oh, do you know what that means? I'm a blood. Do you know what that means? No. So are these two, in the 80s, there was two... Um, there was basically two major gangs in America, mm-hmm. black gangs. One was called the Bloods, one was called the Crips. The Bloods all wore red, and the Crips all wore blue. Mm-hmm. And there's still a remnant of this. I mean, there's still, to some degree, I guess, Bloods out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and But it's a much less prominent thing than it used to be. It used to be like a very big problem, like a very serious mm-hmm. thing. I don't know. I don't know what really happened to the Bloods and Crips. I should look that up. Let's see here. Um, the attack occurred fewer than three hours after a 68-year-old Asian woman was randomly punched and kicked on West 43rd Street in Midtown. Um, an incident caught on hor- caught on horrifying videotape. Well, I would say it's a horrifying incident caught on videotape. I don't know if the videotape's horrifying. <laughs> videotape itself, I think, is is perfectly fine. All right, I've never seen anything like this in my life, a police source told the New York Post on Tuesday, referring to the city's anti-Asian crime wave. The race haters uh, think Asians are the reason why coronavirus is here. They think that the reason that they're the reason they have to wear a mask. So there's your answer. At least that's what the police officer thinks. So presumably he's interrogated these, these men, and that's what he's concluded. In the Midtown case, the hulking suspect spat, F you, you don't belong here while beating his Asian female victim in the street as several male workers at a nearby building rushed, uh, uh, failed to rush to her aid, according to the footage. And actually, this footage drives me nuts. So let me, sh- well, okay, let me read the end of this real quick. So it says, one of the workers even appears to just close the door as the subject runs off. That's crazy. The suspects in both incidents are still in the wind, at large, not yet apprehended, or even identified, I don't think. The city has seen a... 1,300% increase in crimes against Asian Americans since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, which scientists say appears to have begun in Wuhan, China. And, of course, the story that they're not telling here, uh, which I don't understand because it's the New York Post and they should, but this, the story they're not talking about is that this increases almost all black people, almost all black men, and that the mainstream media is reporting that this is a problem of white supremacy. To white supremacists, uh, which is a lie, and this is another another indication that this is a lie. I hate I hate this story up here about this guy who had this weird effect to the vaccine because it's really distracting, and every single time I have to like try to. There we go. Um, so this is the guy. This is the guy here um, that attacked the Asian woman. I don't see anything. Oh well, you didn't turn the TV on. Well, okay, that's. I'm talking to the audience now. I'll see it here. Okay, let's see it yeah, there. one second. So this is the guy who attacked this Asian woman, and I don't want to play this video because I don't want it to 
um, I don't want to get deleted off of uh, this this because uh, YouTube has a history of deleting my videos if I put any kind of act of violence, even though I'm saying this is bad, this is in the news, doesn't matter. They, they don't like it. So they show this guy walking past camera, and then they show him beating this woman, like stomping her head multiple times. Um, and then he walks off, and this security guard is just watching, and then this guy comes and shuts the door. Oh, better just shut the door. Don't want any of that in here. Who the hell are these people? absolute scum every single one of those three guys these are three large men and they just they don't yell at this guy like stop kicking that woman in the head you psychopath f off like you know i'm 5'10 i'm not a huge dude i would have gone tackled that guy because that's what you do when you see a giant man beating up a tiny woman you go and you tackle him I don't care if he's crazy. I don't care if he's got a gun. I don't care if he's got a knife. You go and you tackle him. That's what you do. You do not watch and then go shut the door on this poor lady who's now suffering. Oh, man, I hate these guys. They're probably Democrats. All right. That is it for the news. Uh, darling. Mm-hmm. Do you have any super chats? Uh, I did catch three super chats. I don't know if you read them. No, I didn't read anything. If you guys have any questions or comments, go ahead and put them in the chat now. We will read them and we will chat about them. Uh, What do we got first? Uh, First from Frank James. I don't know if it's first one because I I couldn't see your live stream earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, From Frank James. Is Mexico doing anything to help these refugees? Maybe. It's a good question because there was a lot of stuff that was put together during the Trump administration. So that stuff may still be mm-hmm. happening now. Although I don't think Mexico has um, is as sympathetic to immigrants as, as Americans are, just like as a culture. Like um, I've seen footage from Mexico about immigrants coming from like Guatemala. And a lot of Mexicans are just straight up racist like openly racist mm-hmm. against guatemalans they'll just say like oh those are like you know you know trashy horrible people from guatemala they're they're yeah. you know they're trash or whatever like they'll they'll say pretty negative things about them um whereas in america we we you know you'd never you know people don't typically say bad things about people that just because they're from a different country or they're mm-hmm. from a different culture um but uh, but you will hear that in in mexico so i don't know if there's really the public support for you know, helping immigrants like there is in America. You know, that I, I suppose to some degree that's actually a good part of this sort of like leftist craziness is that they're, they they do sort of push our government and, and people generally from a social position to be more sympathetic to those who are maybe suffering. They try to point out where the suffering is. Um, the problem with the left, though, is that they often get wrong where the suffering is. So they'll say, these people are victims. These people are victims. We have to help these people. Um, and those people aren't victims at all. They're actually doing just fine. And, you know, you have another group of people over here who are indeed victims, they, and they are suffering uh, immensely, but because of all, all of our focus is on... Oh, I have it on you the whole time. Because all our focus is on, the, you know, this group that's like the fake group uh, of victims, um, we're... Uh, we're we're, neg- we're neglecting the group that really needs the help. That's that's the that's the sort of irony. The leftists want us to be more sympathetic. You look like you're about to laugh at something. You don't have your camera switched. Oh, that I didn't have the camera switched. You know, you can interrupt me. I'm afraid to. 
<laughs> That's not true when we're not on camera. <laughs> <laughs> suddenly, suddenly we're on camera. She's afraid to interrupt me. Okay, sure. Sure, I believe I you. I don't want you to say, I'll beat you later. I'll beat you later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. See? Yeah. That's I'll a beat kind you of later because joke. you did not interrupt me. I'll beat me. you later. Yeah, yeah. I always say that. Okay. It's yet to happen, but I, I'm telling you, one day, Valeria, you're going to get it. Um, all right. Do we have another story? Yes. Yes. Uh, from Tara Hutch. Hey, Aston, stop it, stop it. Uh, Chris, yes. I tried to email you about a week ago from your website. How do I, I get a hold of you? Oh, uh, don't email me from my website. I don't think I have access to that email. Uh, I didn't actually set that website up. Is a friend of mine, a good guy, a great guy, fan, uh, but he didn't... Uh, I, I, I just, I don't know. I'm not connected to that. So... Email me at conservative at gmail.com. And you'll have to figure out how that's spelled. <laughs> the Reagan-esque conservative. The Reagan. E-S-Q-U-E. Conservative at gmail.com. It's a long email. Uh, oh, and again, I don't have myself on camera. Okay, Valeria, do you want to read the next super chat? Yes. I'll just leave it on the two. Uh, so I, I don't... Okay. Yes. I'll pitch your Daniel... Oh, Daniel, our favorite. I'm now self-identifying as an animavillian. I'm I'm now known as mask. I can control people's mind through COVID mask. I control China's population. An anime villain. Anime villain. Anime is a kind of like villain. 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 Is it? Villain? Yeah, villain, villain. Yeah, okay. you don't, you don't really. The, the yeah. Anyway, uh, anime is a kind of Japanese Japanese cartoons, right? Japanese animations. Uh, they they do animations. They're they're not really for children. They're for adults. So they're not considered cartoons so much. But uh, I'm now identifying as an as an anime villain. I'm now known as Mask. I can control people's minds through COVID masks. I control China's population. That's pretty funny. I like that. <laughs> Uh, well, Democrats think that we're all, we're all anime villains. Anybody who doesn't agree with their crazy leftist uh, ideas. Uh, yeah, the show would have been better, I think, if you were here, darling. It's a shame that you didn't, um, Well, I made it. You did make it. You did make it for the very, very end. Uh, do you want to respond to anything else, or shall we just close the uh, show out? I do not see any other super chats. But we could just respond to people talking. Let's see here. Uh, right. Okay. Jeff Beal writes, uh, what do you, what do you, I think he means, what do you think about these old white politicians who have to gain, oh, oh, what, what do these old white politicians have to gain by making the world hate white people? Like, what's their end game? Um, so this is... The motivations and the intentions of white politicians who try to create animosity against white people. I don't think they really want people to hate white people. What I think they want is for people to perceive a threat or perceive a villain, 
right? And ideally, that villain is white men because white men mostly vote for Republicans and they, they want to demonize Republicans. At the end of the day, they want to demonize Republicans. But they also want to say, I'm your savior. I'm going to save you. You have this evil threat of the evil white Republican who's going to make your life worse, who's going to reduce your quality of life, and who's going to steal from you and improve his quality of life at your expense, right? You're going to be pushed down, and he's going to be raised up. This is what the evil white Republican does, right? This is what the Democrat tells them. And you know who's going to stop that from happening? I am. I'm going to stop that from happening because I care about you, because I'm a good democrat who loves black people and gays <laughs> that's their position that's that's what that's the whole game that's the whole motivation that's the whole intent the whole intention is to get votes to stay in power and so it's all just a game it's all just a game to them that's why when i showed you that nancy pelosi video about her talking about the wrap-up smear and she knows that so intimately why and she goes this is pol- if you want to talk politics that's not talking politics nancy pelosi don't frame it that way that's talking basically crim- criminality. That's talking like she is basically an unethical, horrible person. And she's just like, well, this is just politics. That's why you're an evil politician. That's why people hate politicians is because of women like her. And then you have people like Matt Gates, who are not evil politicians, who are good men, but they're smeared by people like Nancy Pelosi. That's why you have to have Republicans in office and get out as many Democrats as you can, because Democrats are criminals. If you vote for a Democrat, you're voting for a criminal. All right. Uh, anything else, darling? Uh, we have another super chat. Oh, excellent. Uh, Joe Sullivan. Sullivan, I believe his name is. Sorry. Uh, Joe Biden self-identifies as a president. I still don't see what he thinks he is. <laughs> uh, self-identifies as the president. Yeah, he does. Hey, you want out? Oh, sorry. Yeah, Joe Biden. Joe Biden wants to, you know, still wants to be the president. Well, you know, here's the thing. So Joe Biden has been officially labeled as the president. He's officially holds that title he sits he he lives in the white house you know he sits at the oval office he does all the sort of like moving around and you know talking to reporters and all that kind of stuff like you would do if you were he doesn't really talk to reporters but you know he does a lot of the stuff you would do if you were president but he doesn't actually make the decisions and so i think joe biden's got what he wants you know joe biden has is going to go down in history as a president of the united states of america rightly or wrongly and um Anyway, it's, you know, we, we think what we think and they think what they think. But we all know Joe Biden doesn't control anything. Even Democrats know that, I think. Darling, uh, was today a tough day? Terrible. You terrible. do not, you look I slept, exhausted. I slept two hours. All right, well, let's end the show. Thank you guys for all of your conversations. Uh, Frank James writes, the Pelosi clip from earlier triggered me. Um, the B... Asterix, 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 pisses me off. Manipulative H, asterix, asterix. <laughs> I agree with you, Frank. I love play, playing that video because it illustrates how corrupt Democrats are. Okay, guys, that's it for the show. Um, you guys are awesome. Uh, I love all of you, and uh, thank you for watching. And we will see you guys tomorrow. next time. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Hopefully, we'll have uh, a lot of other good stories. Hopefully, we can update you on the whole situation with um, 
with Matt Gates. Um, I mean, but probably not. It'll probably take a while for that. But uh, yeah, hopefully well, there'll be some new breaking stuff and we'll be able to talk about some interesting subjects. All right. You guys have a good night and we will see you tomorrow. Oh, I should I should do the outro, right? Okay, here's the outro. You want to say goodbye? Good night. Good night. Toxic masculinity.